Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Rick gets lucky. Stoked to be back up in third in the championship. Definitely a good way to start the weekend. The Giz gets the job done. We did sort of a glory strategy. And Tanda starts contract negotiations. But will he stay where he is? That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Well, up in Darwin, Rick Kelly said he was happy to have luck on his side when he took out the 13th race of the 2011 Championship Series. You're not wrong. I remember, I think, in 2003 or 2004 in the Kmart car, I had the round here in the bag and a little $2 brake bleed nipple actually come undone and I speared off at Turn 1 with a brake failure and uh, and didn't get the win. So I think this is Darwin's little repayment. But, uh, I mean, JD Carr was probably good enough to finish fourth today on outright pace. But uh, we had a, a reasonable restart when all that kerfuffle went on into Turn 1 and we're very lucky to get the win. So. Stephen Johnson and Craig Lowndes took out the minor placings. That last restart was quite amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of carnage down into Turn 1, which uh, really elevated us uh, from that ninth position into fourth. Managed to get uh, the... Holsworth uh, car towards the end of the race he was lacking a bit of tyre life same as us but uh, managing uh, to pip a third position out of Saturday's race The late race restart which took out front runners Winterbottom, Wing Cup and Van Gisbergen has cost Winterbottom and Wing Cup 25 points for contact while Shane Van Gisbergen overtaking Jamie Wing Cup before the control line also lost 25 points Paul Dumbrell went spearing off the racetrack on lap 1 he received a 25 point penalty while Michael Caruso, for contact with Dumbrell, also copped the same amount of points. Penalty. Shane Van Gisbergen wrapped up the Sunday race with tyre strategy, which worked to perfection, particularly when the late race safety car bunched the field. Yeah, I definitely saved them a lot more than Craig and, and Mark did, and that showed after the safety car I had superior grip to them and made some good passes. The Giz wowed the crowd with a drift to victory lane. We didn't have good tyres left afterwards, though. I killed them during the burnout. For Craig Lowndes, who finished second place, improving one position on the weekend, it was a $10,000 trip to victory lane when he was done for burnouts. Whilst in third place, Mark Witterbottom wrapped up the minor placing on the podium. The 10 hopefuls have been named in Seven Mates' new reality V8 supercars show, the Shannon's Supercar Showdown. It's to be hosted by Grant Denyer, who will, with the help of Rick and Todd Kelly, pick a co-driver for the great race in October. The reason we're so exciting is no other team out there has ever done anything like this before. It's something we've been working a long time on now, over 12 months, to put this together with a couple of other companies that have been fantastic to work with. So it's great to see it actually happening and uh, really excited to bring new talent into Australian motorsport. 
So the drivers, Amber Anderson, Andrew Jordan, Ben Small, Cameron Waters, David Serra, Hayley Swanson, Nick Cassidy, Nick Foster, Sam Reed, and Shay Davis. The ages ranging from 16 to 26 years old, with seven males and three females looking to make the cut. Jonathan Webb has completed his first national advertising campaign for Mother Energy Drinks. The ad, which features the eight-cylinder energy system, is launched nationally this week. The future of the Tasmanian round has been under a cloud for some time. This week we asked James Moffat for his thoughts on the future of the Apple Isle in the series. You know, I think it would be um, disappointing if we can't get back there because uh, I think it's important that we um, maintain or try and maintain to be a truly national championship and um, hopefully V8 Supercars and the government can um, sort, out, sort out an arrangement that... Um, makes it beneficial for uh, for everybody involved for us to be there because um, you know it's a it's a small track down at Simmons Plains but it always produces good close racing. Tony Cochran spoke to the Singapore media about the possibility of running in the city state. Singapore is really uh, the perfect hub for us uh, in this part of Asia. It has great accessibility from Australia over well over 120 flights a week from Australia. So we know that our event here will bring a huge Australian crowd up. Uh, so it'll be a really great tourism driver uh, for the government. After the break, James Moffis joins us with his rookie year look back at Darwin. And also we have Tony Whitlock and John Bannon coming up in the roundtable. I hope you stay with us. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Well, joining us to look at his rookie year once again is James Moffat and James Darwin. Two top 15 finishes, but uh, it was certainly an interesting weekend for you up there. Yeah, definitely right, Craig. We um, we probably made our uh, life a bit harder for ourselves with um, a couple of poor qualifying results. Um, qualified 22nd and 26th both days, so um, not what we were looking for in qualifying and the, the speed of the car wasn't quite there, but um, in the races um, we had a pretty good package and... Um, we were able to to move forward both days, so that was encouraging. One thing I noticed was that you got a lap down in Sunday's race, and I imagine with the way V8 Supercars is structured, it's very, very hard to get your lap back. How do you keep your mindset to go fighting on? And, of course, you rebounded with that 13th place finish there. Yeah, it was sort of one of those things that um, that that race on Sunday was always going to be pretty interesting with um, the element of having to use the soft tyres um, at some stage during the race, and 
unfortunately, um, when that early safety car came out on, I think it was lap 10 or 11, that, that really didn't help us out because um, both Steve and I had uh, pretty terrible starts and were running around the back of the field just um, trying to maintain position. And uh, when that safety car out came out um, at the beginning of the race, uh, the team decided to pit Steve and, and we, we didn't pit because uh, we didn't want to risk queuing in the pit lane uh, because most of the field had, uh, actually did that. So um, I knew I was always going to be a bit of a sitting duck. Um, I think I was fourth in the queue at the restart, but um, around Darwin, um, fresh tyres is worth so much. So I was a bit of a sitting duck and I lost uh, quite a bit of track position and like you said, we did go a lap down there towards uh, probably you know about two thirds during the race. But um, I always knew that we had the soft tyres um, up our sleeves to put on at the end of the race. And um, fortunately, you know when we did uh, go a lap down, even though you never want to go a lap down, um, I-, I was able to sort of drive my way or unlap myself um, because I had the benefit of the, t- the soft tyres and. Um, Luckily for, for us, we uh, we then got a safety car um, towards the end of the race and we were able to pick up a few more spots. But um, it was one of those things that, uh, you know, strategy probably wasn't um, ideal and we uh, probably, if we had the chance to do it differently, we, we probably would have. Um, or if we had the chance to have our time over again, we probably would do things a little bit differently. But... Um, you know, a thirteenth place uh, finish wasn't a, wasn't too bad result either. Mm. Now, this meeting was slightly different to the other ones you've had so far this year, where you had a mix of tyres in the one race. What did you learn about yourself, about your engineers, and about having two different types of tyre on the car in the course of the one race? Well, it was sort of one of those difficult um, scenarios where. Uh you know, we were running on the, the Dunlop hard or control tyre for the whole weekend right up until the, the race on uh, Sunday where, um, like I mentioned, or like you mentioned, we had the, the um, one set of the Dunlop sprint tyre to use and whenever you use that tyre during the race is um, up to you and, and we decided to use it at the end of the race. So um, fortunately, uh, when we did bolt the, the Dunlop sprint tyre on it was uh, pretty good had quite a bit more grip than the, the normal control tyre So, but uh, having said that you, you, you always have to manage the sprint tyre in terms of uh, looking after its grip because it, it falls away a lot quicker than the um, than the control tyre will do so um, it's you know always one of those things you're, you're always a little bit nervous because you, you don't know exactly how the car's going to react when you put a totally different tyre on it, but fortunately we've had uh, quite a bit of running on the tyre this year, so we, we generally know how the car reacts, but um, like I said, because we hadn't run on the tyre all weekend, you, you are a little bit nervous, but um, the team did a great job and uh, made a bit of an adjustment to the car in, in the final stop when we did put the tyres on, and um, I was really happy with how the car um, balance was and its competitiveness on the soft tyre at the end of the race. Mm. The Darwin fans, how did they react to you? Look, coming up to Darwin's always great. Um, and, it, you know, it's one of those events that the, the whole town or the whole city gets right behind. So um, for, from that point of view, you know, we had the, the parade on the, the Harley-Davidson motorcycles um, oh, about 12 o'clock on, on Sunday. And uh, you see all the fans out there and they really appreciate, um, really appreciate the event and so do us drivers. 
in your next race in your rookie year, you're heading up into what's really enemy territory up there in far north Queensland because you're going to be in a Jim Beam car and they reckon far north Queensland belongs to another brand. Well, you know, that is true. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't really, you know, say that brand because I believe it's poison. But uh, I know that uh, Steve and I will be out there in our Jim Beam Falcons doing uh, our very best and trying to uh, convert a few uh, a few um, from the dark side over to the good side of Jim Beam, that's for sure. So uh, traditionally, um, the Jim Beam Falcons have gone really well up at Townsville. I think uh, James Courtney was uh, the first year up there and was on the podium last year. So, uh, you know, the cars have good form there. and You know, the team um, is really working well together. Um, it's a track that I really like. I won the development series around there a couple of years ago. So, um, you know, we're really hoping for, for another strong weekend. James, always a pleasure to catch up with you and look forward to speaking to you after Townsville. Thanks very much, Craig. Look forward to it. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week on the show from Race Facts, it's Tony Whitlock. Good evening, Tony. And from Auto Action, John Bannon. Welcome back, John. Uh, good evening, Craig. Good evening, Tony. It's Hi there, John. been an interesting weekend for everyone up there in Darwin, and particularly for the people who decided to get on their plane immediately. They're home and rested, unlike uh, some drivers who are still battling the ash cloud. But uh, we didn't see too many ash clouds up there in Darwin. We saw some very interesting racing, Tony, and uh, I'm amazed because after Saturday, I'm surprised anyone's got any points left because the stewards were just taking 25 points here, 25 points there for some very unusual incidents. Yeah, there were. It was a very mixed-up weekend, particularly Saturday. But um, I think one of the things that has been really worthwhile this year is, you know, last year we saw lots of silly point deductions, 10 points here and 15, things like that. This year it's virtually a minimum of 25, and very few items are being referred to the stewards. Teams are being far more professional, both drivers and team managers, in the way they're going about it. And that, you know, yeah, there were some incidents there that required points penalties. Um, you know, I mean, some like the Dumbrell one were very hard to uh, sort of work out. But, you know, the rules are the rules and they stick by them verbatim. John, uh, the Dumbrell one was a very interesting one because he did cut the track, but he fell in line at about or actually a little bit worse than when he left the track. Isn't that well, I, what you I agree with what... Tony has, has said there, I'm not sure there was too much in it, but uh, I guess the one that I found interesting uh, was a little continuation of the, the biff, if you like, between uh, Frosty and uh, Wincup, and uh, they both uh, received the, the same penalty there, but uh, it seems that they really have quite a, 
a fierce rivalry uh, that's extended back for quite some time now, and I think that's certainly one to watch with interest uh, as a as a punter. Um, given that, uh, you know, they both uh, drive different sorts of cars, Ford and, and Holden. Hmm. Interesting, also that the incident between Bauer, um, b- between Bright and also David Reynolds was deemed a racing incident, just with uh, you know an unfortunate series event. But it looked very spectacular, Tony. Yeah, look, I think it is just somebody offline, a bit of a nudge here and there. I can't remember who it was that had nudged uh, either Bright or Reynolds into each other. But, yeah, look, you know, these cars, they're big, they're heavy when they touch. Momentum can take them, so they ride up each other sort of thing like they did. Um, Unfortunate, particularly for Bright, he had a dreadful weekend, tumbling from fourth in the points down to tenth. Um, They didn't show really until Sunday a little bit of qualifying or better qualifying pace. But uh, certainly not what they'd had earlier, uh, both at uh, Barbagello and Winton. But, you know, I mean, the racing incident, yeah, you know, get on with it. Next, next please. Mm. Of course, uh, Rick Kelly was quite happy to say at the end of the race, John, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. <laughs> well, really, he just sort of uh, cleaned up there and, and scored the, the spoils by being uh, in the right uh, spot at the, the right time, which, of course, uh, David Reynolds wasn't earlier in the race. So... Uh, with wins, you, you take them when you can get them, and uh, if you're not the quickest car out there, then if you're in, in the right spot at, at the right time, then, uh, well, happy days. It... I, I think that's also a, a sure indication of what Rick has shown virtually all year, that he is there or thereabouts. Most of the time he's been running, if not in, certainly very close to the top ten, and uh, there to pick up the spoils when others trip. And interestingly enough, uh, for the most part, the Kelly Racing cars are now all top 15 cars, if not all top 10 cars, on their day. And we're seeing that regularly throughout races, even if they can't quite get the finish right. Well, I think they've, you're quite right. They're, it's a marked improvement on on last year. If you, if you think of how uh, Bargs and Rick Dello were going in, in comparison, uh, Reynolds and, and Murphy are doing a, a great job, but they're probably, as you've hinted at there, Craig, got far better machinery as well. Mm. Tony? It, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I mean, you know, the fact that Bargs pulled two top tens at Brighty's, at, rather Brighty's, at, at Jones's place, you know, showed that, you know, he hasn't lost really that much, um, and that he's certainly capable of doing it. It was... You know, the engineering setup is better than they've got now for the uh, four cars at Kelly's. And uh, they've got the things in place. They've tested things and developed them. And, you know, yes, as a, as a pack, they've certainly a, a well and truly better honed pack than they were at the start of the year. Mm. What does the Gizzers win, Tony, mean for V8 supercars? Now it's his second one. It's not on home soil. I, I must say I did go across the ditch and check out all the websites and check out all the news reports, and it didn't get the coverage when he, as when he won at home. No, it didn't. Uh, no wet track, but he certainly showed it to, to be, could have been a wet track the way he's behaving on his uh, slowdown lap with his uh, drifting. 
Um, look, the biggest thing about it was the fact that both uh, Alex and uh, Slady were, were also close by. Stones have, after several years of uh, no, not performing well as a team, have honed their particular skills, have got their engineering things in place. I mean, Dave Stewart, their team manager, has talked about what a great addition Dan Crone was uh, for Alex and, and him being able to step back. And it does seem that they have got uh, their act well and truly better together. Uh, Alex is getting his qualifying. Shane's certainly getting better qualifying. He still needs to get up there regularly in the 10. He hasn't been doing that. That's the part of his equation that's missing. Alex made a couple of mistakes. He had a great recovery in that second race. Tim had misfortune on Saturday in uh, a switch went over centre and turned itself off. That switch, which is an aircraft quality one, was in fact removed from all three stone cars um, for the Sunday race. Uh, so that they found something that obviously hadn't behaved before or misbehaved before. So uh, it was interesting to see that occur. Yeah, I think the other interesting point here is has Van Geer sort of taken over Frosty's mantle as, as Ford's next saviour and and is he the guy to, to take it to, to hold and so far he's, he's got the results on, on the board uh, d- despite how quick Frosty was in, in qualifying uh, he didn't have the same uh, weekend, things didn't go his way so uh, it'll be interesting to, to watch how that um, pans out and, and in general the, the battle between SBR and FBR Mm. Look, I think there is something worth pointing out, of course, is that it was a pair of poles and quite easily could have been all three FPR cars in the top ten in qualifying. And that's one of the keys to the whole thing. They've got to be qualifying better. And sure enough, they were. Um, Will missed out uh, on one occasion. Um, Paul wasn't so good. But uh, Dalberto showed the FPR their recent work has uh, paid dividends. Um, you know, Winterbottom ended up on the uh, podium on Sunday and certainly would have been there. He showed the race pace they needed and uh, whether it was a misjudgment just on his part, a safety car stuff up as well, whatever it was, they showed far better pace than they have. The big question, Mark, Tony and John, I'm sure you'll agree, at FPR is one, strategy and bigger one, have they got a soft tyre package yet? Because we have been hearing all year from Frosty, from Will, when we put the softs on, we go backwards. That might be part of it, but I'm sure that's not an excuse that they'd be willing to use. Uh, yes, they might not have quite the same pace on, on the soft tyre, but you know they're, they're a team that expects to run at the front, and Frosty has showed that he can, Will has showed that he can, and... Uh, I don't think uh, the team would be using that as an excuse by any means. Yeah, look, I, you know, I, I think it's just all round. The team has had to lift its game. I think it has. I think it was not far away. I mean, Will certainly showed an improvement. Um, Dumbrell was an unfortunate one on Saturday. Um, you know, it's uh, like the draw. I mean, HRT weren't as bad as they looked. They, they certainly didn't have qualifying pace. Garth put in a dynamite bloody drive until he made contact and broke Brenda's steer arm, another steering arm. Um, I've seen that as a weak link in Commodores for years. But, uh, you know, they had some pace there. Unfortunately, things aren't uh, going their way. But, you know, they're, they're not looking at making a recovery to be, you know, a top five team this year. They're, they're looking to stay in the 10 with Garth and for Courtney to get as close as they can. Mm. We need to take a break here. Well, in fact, it's gas and go time on the V8 Insiders. 
Gas and Go is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Gas and Go, of course, five questions in three minutes. Can we do it? Tony Whitlock, 10K for a burnout. I mean, $10,000, forget the size of the fine. I think, I mean, the subject was first raised in New Zealand and then again in Perth and then again in Winton. I think Lowndes had an adequate warning. I think the fact that he actually screwed up and did it, um, Van Gisbergen did it to the letter of the law between uh, turn 1 and 14. He actually almost overshot 14, had to go backwards, spin the car backwards to get into the the uh, Park Ferme for his uh, podium. But, uh, you know... <laughs> $10,000 is an awful lot of money. Yes, for you and me, it's not as much, obviously, for Craig because he earns a lot more money than we do. But there was a penalty in place there for doing it. There had been adequate warnings for it. So, you know, uh, a stupid thing, you know. Yes, they'd set out that this is what we want to happen. You know, the winner only. We don't want it getting out of hand. And I agree with him. I mean, if you look at NASCAR, it's the winner only who does it. I mean, NASCAR, in fact, they don't really sort of celebrate second and third place. It's all centred on the winner. Um, You know, so, you know. There are rules in place, and I understand why they need to be followed. But should the rules have even been there in, in the first place, in that I think it's quite clear the fans love burnouts. They love the celebrations at the end of the races. Let them do it. Now, John Murphy, how long do you think he and the Enforcer have got left in the V8 Supercar Series? Obviously, age is against them, but one thing that I was highly impressed with Greg Murphy uh, at Hamilton early this year is he stood outside of his garage pretty much all weekend and signed autographs. Uh, He is such a good uh, person from a, a marketability point of view and you can tell he genuinely cares about the sport. So it's not all just about driving and whether they're winning races or not. It's also about them as a product. Murph has definitely got that. Uh, Russell obviously has, hasn't had as good a year as Murph, uh, but he's still someone that the fans recognise. So is that, are, are they points as to why those two men should, should stay in the sport uh, for you know, the next few years? Tony, you can take it from there. Uh, yeah, uh, someone within the team, I won't mention who it was, but they joked about how Russell suddenly realised that there was a correlation between qualifying and where you ended up in a race. Uh, it was a very tongue-in-cheek comment. Um, Russell worked hard to try and get that super cheap deal together. Um, he worked very hard uh, keeping it together. Um, he's obviously a good product for television and for them as a, as a company. Um He's not a spent force. Uh, I think he he knows... He made a comment earlier this year when asked about the car of the future. He said, you better ask these other guys, meaning those in the uh, press conference, other than him, because he wasn't going to be around for 2013. So maybe, just maybe, he'll have 2012 on on his immediate uh, agenda. Mm. Now, Mother Energy Racing, of course, Jonathan Webb starring in a uh, commercial this week that's released nationally, but... uh, they're changing their team manager. Now, will this be the difference to the turnaround of their season? Well, in fact, um, the guy who's coming is another of the uh, the ex-Formula One blokes, a guy called Bruce Jenkins. He uh, he was over with uh, 
Adrian Burgess, an old mate of his from McLaren days in Perth. He went to Winton and sat in on the team, and he enjoys joins them next week. Um, he's uh, he was with McLaren in the Louder and Senna days, and uh, Paul Stewart Racing, and then Jaguar, and recently uh, in High Tech. And uh, this is his first run with touring cars. Um, look. Andy McElray has his own Porsche team and also runs in GT and has a has a successful business there. He can go back to concentrate on that. Um, whether it makes a difference, I don't think it's a difference. I think a lot of the issues with uh, number 19 uh, to do with second-year Blues, I mean, they had some amazing results last year, not only uh, that win, but also in qualifying and some pace. I think they'll get back there again. This will be another of the steps. There's no one thing. I mean, DJR didn't get there because Adrian Burgess landed. There were the people in place were all there, and they and some of them are still there today. And as DJs are showing, um, you know, they they can still do things. But interestingly, you know, the level of management in V8 supercars has to be higher because you have much larger workforces. Uh, it's a it's a key ingredient, and it'll certainly help them. Mm, John, the reality is that bringing someone in is not going to change things overnight, and, and Jonathan Webb's not going to go from being uh, a midfield runner to all of a sudden uh, being at the front. So, if we do see any effect, it won't be until next year or the year after that. Now, John, I know you have been lucky enough to see both of these films, so perhaps this question is really for Tony and I. But I'll go to you first. Cars two or the Senna movie? Which one should, to you, John, which one should we be holding our breath for? I think the Senna movie, uh, because, quite simply, it appeals, I believe, to not just motorsport fans, but the, the general public. And I know that's very easy to say, someone who loves motorsport, but there is a genuine personal story uh, within that movie, and I think that's um, the appealing part it, it keeps you hooked from from the from beginning to end. Uh, Cars, two, in my opinion, was a little disappointing uh, in that it's a movie that's aimed for children, but it has quite a complex plot uh, and complex ideas, uh, which adults would get. But if you're a child, I think you'd find it a bit difficult. Mm, okay, so now to Tony, which one are you uh, looking well, forward I saw to? Cars one, and um, yeah, I mean, yeah. It didn't really interest me that much, and I don't think Cars 2 will either, but I've got the, the Senna DVD, I've got the, the movie, I've watched half of it. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm not as big a Senna fan as many others. I think uh, John's right that uh, it'll appeal to people outside the sport. I mean, I was more cut up when Bruce McLaren died. You know, if you want to talk about great men in motorsport, I think he was far a far bigger star in terms of what the sport is than just uh, a bloke who drove. All right, okay. now... Tony? And they're making a movie about Bruce McLaren, of course. Yes. And that one I will stand in a queue to watch. That one you hold your breath for. Well, yeah. here's a question on life. Tony, is it better to be lucky or good? Uh, lucky has a bit to do with uh, being <laughs> being uh, well prepared. Um, I think being lucky has a lot to be uh, said for. Okay, John? Whereas I sort of argue the opposite, that uh, being good often leads to being lucky. Gas and Go is brought to you by the V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. 
All right, that's Guess and Go for another week here on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me, Craig Ravel, is Tony Whitlock and John Bannon. And guys, uh, we do have to uh, get through these couple of topics fairly quickly, but uh, more changes ahead at Walkinshaw, and could we see a Walkinshaw at the head of Walkinshaw uh, I think that's highly likely, yes. I think far more interestingly could be the fact, uh, could Chris Dyer make it back here? I think there's a possibility of that. I met up with Chris at the Grand Prix last year. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, whether uh, Walkinshaw heads the thing up or not, they've got to put in place some more racing people, and certainly Chris has the credentials, having uh, been, been with Arrows and HRT back in the, uh, the 90s. Of course, the other interesting link is uh, Garth Tander, John, has started his contract negotiations with HRT this week. You'd be hoping... Well, yes, and uh, we spoke to, to Garth today, uh, actually, and I think, uh, I mean, he'd be crazy to, to not want to stay uh, at, at HRT. I mean, it, it is a very strong team. They are making a lot of changes at the moment, and uh, they're all, they wouldn't be making changes if they didn't want to move forward. And so, you know, bringing Ryan Walkinshaw in and, and bringing um, the new uh, operations manager, Mike Henry, are all steps to try and improve that team. So uh, while Garth sees those sort of improvements uh, or progress being, being made, uh, why would he want to look elsewhere? Well, Tony, if you're negotiating a contract... You not only want to be uh, having the appearance of being looking elsewhere, but you want to have the appearance that elsewhere is going to pay you more, to a point, of course. Yes, indeed. I mean, uh, where could he go? Or maybe be a swap with Gary Rogers and uh, and Holdsworth goes there. But I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think Gary pays quite as much. Um, I, I don't know who any team would be happy to say Garth he's certainly one of the top five drivers in the category um, but I, I agree with John I think that HRT is the one that uh, for a whole bunch of different reasons so, and it's interesting the scenario where uh, uh, the change of uh, HRT happened this year where it didn't happen last year where Garth may have been seeking to uh, put some of those changes in place 12 months on it happened mm. I mean the question that really needs to be asked is where else would he go I mean you've mentioned G- GRM there but uh, I understand their drivers are pretty locked in from what I gather and uh, I mean will they long term uh be, uh, I guess, as, as quick as they have been this year, or is this just a, a, a one-off? I mean, maybe they'll surprise everyone, they'll be, they'll be at the top for the next couple of, of years. Uh, Could I? It's, it's really a matter of where would he go that's better, and I, I just don't know if there's that many options. Could I put this to you, that I'm Garth Tander, I'm in HRT, and I know that I could go on, but maybe I'm not sure about what's going on in the front office. Is this the time that the likes of a Roland Dane who's working on his business goes, about time we have three cars in the coupe and 
you just add to what has been the most successful engineering package for the last four or five years, you add, as Tony said, one of the top five drivers and uh, get three of the best five in the series. Tony, is you like that idea? Yeah, that's certainly a possibility. I mean, uh, you can always see a scenario where uh, uh, Roland uh, <laughs> makes the ultimate move on the, the Morris clan and... Uh, and takes over the driving centre, and there he's got uh, four cars there, uh, possibility. Um, and, yeah, I'd certainly uh, reckon that putting Garth in one of those cars would be a great thing. Mm. It's interesting times ahead, that's for sure, as is perhaps Singapore. Tony didn't fly north to Darwin. He flows south-east after he was in spruiking the potential of the Singapore race. And obviously with the Changi circuit delays, John, they're uh, having to look at maybe running on the Grand Prix circuit or a variation thereof. Well, this has been talked about for some time now as to whether we're going to have more races in in Asia and and Singapore uh, has been a a primary target. Uh, I guess it's a matter of of money, really. If uh, whoever's organising things over there says, well, we'll pay for the teams, cars, drivers, a whole lot to, to make their way over and um, all you've got to do is turn up, well, that's, uh, that's as good as sold, isn't it? Mm. But uh, if uh, the teams and, uh, and V8 supercars need, need to bring money to the table as well, then that could make the whole thing a bit more complicated. Tony, what's your mail? Oh, look, you know, certainly there's India and Korea and, you know, I could see China again uh, coming up um, because they've got more tracks being built. I mean, Bob Jane's involved in building a couple of tracks, although I don't think that Cocker will be lining up to uh, be near a Bob Jane track. Uh, um, there's still some uh, things rankle from uh, their last time at Calder. The, uh, there are certainly opportunities in their Asia. I don't think the America thing is a likely one. And certainly Europe is out of bounds as far as the FIA is concerned. So, yeah, Asia is the place. And uh, whether it's Qatar or, uh, or um, the agenda. And, um, <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's silly, to be honest. To race cars would be... Um, it's silly, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, look, you know, there's all these tracks being built in India and Korea and things like that. So, you know, and you could see where um, the appeal for Korea, if if they were to jump in the series with a Kia or a Daewoo, yeah, come and race in our backyard. Mm, of course. I mean, if you're going to play a smart, smart numbers game, you, you'd go to India. That's where, all, that's where the most people are. So, yeah. yeah. Of course, so South America. Having the uh, largest car industry uh, around the corner then uh, obviously there's a great chance of going back there too. Mm. And yep. Singapore's got a lot of money, so I guess there's advantages to all of them. <laughs> yep. Well, guys, it's always an advantage to have both of you on the show. We look forward to catching up with you both again very soon. Thanks very much, thanks, John Danny. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Tony. And thanks to you too, Tony. After the break, we have the white flag lap where we look at 18-inch tyres on the V8 supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. 
showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, we look at the possibilities that may arise from the new tyre contract. Kevin Fitzsimmons from Dunlop has told the V8 Insiders that Dunlop is happy with the proposal they have offered to the championship. Um, we're ready to hit the ground running once the tender's awarded. The tender's closed um, the week before Perth. Uh, we submitted one. We're reasonably happy with it. We hope... It's okay, we know we've got some competition. Don't know who it is, but we know there is competition. Um, the production facility's already done a, a run of the 18-inch tyre. The moulds have been built for quite a while because initially the car was going to run in 2012. So we were prepared for that. Um, when that got pushed back a year, we just sort of sat on everything. So development phase has already gone ahead. The tyres uh, will be here in time for... Um, the tyre testing, whenever we get around to doing that, the initial testing, shakedown testing and everything can be done on the 17-inch wheel. That won't matter. Um, the, the brake rotors aren't ready. The control wheel's not ready yet for the 18-inch. So there's a lot of water to go under the bridge with that stuff before we actually start testing. I would expect the car would be launched at Bathurst with the 18-inch tyre on it. Um, now, the testing phase and all the bits and pieces, when that commences, um, we're, we're ready to go. So... Um, not a major issue, not a major change or anything else there, but um, the development will take time, which is good that the, the tender's been out so early. We've actually got probably the best part of 14 or 15 months to develop a tyre, um, which you well and truly need with the, the way the calendar is and trying to find time to get onto tracks. Uh, so uh, we're, we're prepared to, um, to hit the ground running with that as soon as uh, it's required. Have you bid as Dunlop, or will you be looking at a branding change and going to Goodyear on the next tyre contract? Were you successful? Uh, no, we, we went down the path, uh, the previous contract, 2007, um, of looking at a change to Goodyear. Goodyear owned, a lot of people don't know, but Goodyear actually owned uh, Dunlop in Australia. So, um, uh, yeah, we, we looked at that, but at this point of time, the, the Dunlop has such a, a rich history of success in its motorsport uh, name right around the world and everything. So um, Goodyear is very, very popular in America. Um, but it was, um, yeah, thought about, discussed, and then we sort of said, no, we'll stick with the Dunlop name, and uh, that's where we'll go. Um, you know, it, it's just convenience of manufacture and everything else like that. Now they're so busy with the NASCAR program in the States and everything, it was... Um, Time frames and everything were very, very difficult. Um, the supply was okay, but they wanted to do massive runs of tyres in, in a hurry and things like that. So, um, oh yeah, we just decided we'd leave it. I'll leave it with the Dunlop name on it and, um, and just press on from there. Could there be a time where, to promote both brands, you might supply a Goodyear tyre and a Dunlop tyre, knowing that they're both the same tyre, but using the leverage of the sport to give both both your brands a run? Yeah, there's consideration for that. Depending on the additional overseas events that we'll be seeing in 2013 and beyond, um, Goodyear and Dunlop are very good friends and in bed here in Australia, whereas in the uh, Chinese, Japanese, sort of that, that, that part of Asia around there, they're actually quite separate companies. Um, so it may well be that we may, we may see it's an idea I floated a while back and um, the factory that produced the tyre weren't particularly impressed as you can imagine but um, it's something we could sort of uh, certainly consider uh, but at this stage it's not really in the pipeline but it's, it's in the back of our mind. 
It's one thing that uh, just would get a bit more rivalry out there. And, uh, of course, you always like the sale of merchandise, get some more merch. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. If we had some good, good, good merch, you could do that. So, But, no, look, you know, the, the good new name in America, they're, they're very, very passionate about the, the NASCAR scene and they do a massive amount of, of, of tyres and the, the commitment to it is huge. Um, it's an absolute drop in the ocean, what we're doing here compared to what they do over there for a season. You know, the amount of tyres they're supplying to the three main series, it's, uh, it's a big eye-opener. But, um, yeah, at this stage, no, we'll just uh, play in our little pond by ourselves and um, keep our head above water and just keep paddling. Always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thank you. My thanks to Kevin Fitzsimmons joining us there. Also to Tony Whitlock and John Bannon, of course, James Moffat. As the checkered flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.